the National Archives podcast series, Design Online, Extending Access to the Board of Trade Design Register, presented by Dr. Dinah Eastop. My name is Dinah Eastop and I work in the collection care part of the National Archives. And today I want to talk about Design Online, Extending Access to the BT Design Register. What I'd like to do is to introduce the Board of Trade Design Register, a very brief introduction to the collection, or a set of records, to talk a little bit about its history and distinguishing features. And then I'd like to talk about some opportunities for extending online access to these records. Some of you may be familiar with the collection already, particularly those people who use the stairs. The stairs are now decorated with some of the Board of Trade designs. So what is the Board of Trade Design Register? It consists of six series dated between 1839 and 1991. And in terms of its sort of physical form, it consists of 11,122 volumes or boxes. There's lots of it. The full name is the Board of Trade Representations and Registers of Design. So we say BT Design Register as a shorthand. It was instituted by an Act of Parliament in uh, 1839, the, D- the Design Copyright Act, and the regulations for the scheme were amended in subsequent acts. The British government was very pleased with this scheme because it was self-funding. So the costs of the registry were covered by the costs charged for registration or for inspecting the registers. You see what earlier parts of the register consist of, large volumes containing the representations of the design, smaller volumes containing the registers. So why was this register established? What's it for? It was set up in response to lobbying by business people, by proprietors, who wanted to protect the designs they'd paid for or developed to protect them from copyright. So protect them from theft by other people. So it was a copyright protection scheme. And the registers contain the written records of registration. When a particular design was registered, what unique number it was given, the name of the person making the registration, the address of that person or that company, and sometimes it provides details of what's been registered. It has worldwide coverage in the sense that the registration scheme was set up primarily for British proprietors. And there are lots and lots of British manufacturers and proprietors who register their designs. But there are also registrations from proprietors with overseas addresses. There are also registrations by proprietors who are serving international markets. The design register reflects international trade relations. It's a fantastic example fantastic evidence for it. So how are the designs represented? How are these millions of designs? There are are almost three million designs in this collection. And the designs are represented through what are called representations. And the representations can take any form. So a huge variation in the forms of the representations. And you can also see the huge product range that was represented. All sorts of different materials represented in this collection. So what I've been involved with is is thinking about options, collection management options, which will enhance the collection as regards access, 
and as regards long-term preservation, those are the twin goals of the National Archives. And there are various issues. There's the scale of it. We've got these more than 11,000 volumes and 3 million designs. So there's lots to deal with. Some of these volumes weigh more than 25 kilos. They are, they're absolutely huge, they're heavy, they're awkward to handle. And the number of the designs and the range of materials present is just enormous in terms of coming up with a, a, a simple strategy. Three key issues in access. One is, is summarised as to find something, to retrieve it and to present it. And by finding... What I mean is that people should know that a particular set of records exists in a particular place. And by retrieving, I mean the capacity of the holding institution to, uh, to find it and to bring it to you. And to present is the manner of presentation, to bring it to you in a form that is useful to you. When you're thinking about this kind of diversity, it's how do we present this material in a way that's helpful. What I'd like to focus on today is the BT4344 series, which is the design register for the period 1842 to 1884. There are 38 registers and 432 volumes of representations. As a proportion of the collection, it's quite small, but it's quite significant as an access challenge because it can be very hard to link the registration details in the register with an actual design, and that's because the registration was made according to 14 different material classes. So if all you've got is a number and you don't know which class of material the design represents, you may have to order 14 volumes of representations and 14 volumes of registers to find what you're looking for. Another challenge with this collection is that the, the group called LACE is a, it's a very broad definition of LACE, which includes lots of miscellaneous material. So it can be hard to find what you're looking for because the categories are rather, some are quite broad. We conducted consultation events with existing users of the collection and potential users to find out what it was about the collection that interested them. We've got lots of different views. For historians, their primary interest was in the registers. They were very interested in dating and attribution and they wanted better access to the registers or the information in the registers. For designers and some art historians, they were primarily interested in the representations. If you ask lots of different people what they want, you're bound to get a range of different responses. But it was very, very useful to get some feeling as to what people were interested in. And most people would say they would like the registers online and they wanted the representations online. And when we said, what is it about the representations you want to present online? What features do you want captured? People wanted accurate colour representation. They would like some indication of scale. And they would also like some indication of texture, some sense of what these materials feel like. So it's quite a lot to ask, but it's, it's good to know what people want. So the first thing we did for this collection for the BT43 series was to try and make a better connection between the, the unique design numbers on the representations and the registers to make it easier to find what you're looking for. And so we had all the BT44 registers, so the registers for the period 1839 to 1884, 
um, professionally transcribed and um, catalogued and are now online. Some of the preliminary work of transcription had been done by volunteers in the past. We were able to bring all those records together and that material has now been put online. Cataloguing was done to ensure there was consistency in the, the spelling of place names. We were also able to add the category female proprietor. So it's now possible to distinguish those female proprietors who, who made it clear that they were female proprietors. So it's enriched access in that way. So all these records, the BT44 registration records, were put online last year, which contributed to the National Archives record year for online releases. And there are now vast number of records. So for the BT43 series, there are more than 400,000 records. And it's very, very detailed information. It's names, it's addresses, it's dates, it's the design number. You can plot how company names change and how addresses change. It's an incredibly useful resource for business history. It's useful for family history because you've got lots of individuals who set up as proprietors, who register designs as proprietors. So it's very good for doing kind of any geographical research or family history research. The collection is also incredibly rich for the Luton straw hat industry, a very important industry. So I just did some searches for BT Design Register Luton Straw and came up with lots of records. The research for Paisley as well. This is a fantastic record for understanding the development of the so-called Paisley shawl industry. You can compare the records for Paisley and Norwich, Paisley and Edinburgh. So it's a re- really useful resource. The other thing we did as part of this project was to see if we couldn't enhance the BT44 registration information by adding the text that was alongside some of the representations. Some of the representations will have text in them and this information wouldn't necessarily be on the, in the registration details. Similarly, you get information about where other designs are stored, or here you get information about this particular person. So we set up a user participation project and recruited 16 volunteers, and we were able to transcribe this additional text from 10% of this collection, and that information has been, after quality assurance, has been added to the records. And this provides a lot more information about what's actually depicted in some of the printed designs because otherwise that information isn't available until you actually get to see the representation itself. A patent was taken out for a flying machine in 1843 by William Samuel Henson and he was hailed by the Times as a true inventor. So although flying machines didn't actually get going until much, much later, the idea of a flying machine was already current in some minds. And one of the key things about the Board of Trade Design Register, its aim was to promote commerce by promoting innovation. That was its reason for being set up. So it's a, it's a fantastic example of innovation in the design and sort of of the design. Um, we've transcribed this additional information from 10% of the representations in the BT43 series. It'd be nice to c- carry on with that transcription because then we could record, in the lace category, you have lots and lots of labels that are being registered. And again, it'd be fantastic for family history or local research, because there's other portraits in the corners. I mean, it's a very, very name-rich resource. 
Another step we've got to think about is conservation. If these records become more widely known, they're likely to be consulted by more people. So we've got to think very carefully about the long-term preservation of the collection. Some of the, de- the tracing designs are very, very large. And some of the volumes themselves are just very weak. Decisions have to be made about how much to invest in the conservation work. The next big challenge is how to present the designs online. We've got these three million designs, extraordinarily rich resource. How can we put them online? So far, about five or six years ago, 300 of the ceramic and related designs were put online. So there's there's this online exhibition which shows a set of um, important records related to ceramics. And they're presented like this, so you have an image of the representation and then the kind of catalogue information. And that works very well. It works very well for 300 items. I'm not sure it would work very well for 3 million. Because our consultation events indicated that people don't want to see rows and rows of thumbnails. It's not what they find interesting or stimulating. It's, It's not the way people want to access visual material. One of the techniques we've been looking at, mainly for experimental purposes, is this technique called polynomial texture mapping. It's, a form of, it's an image capture technique and it's an image processing technique and it allows the viewer to relight an on-screen image and so you can highlight texture. I really recommend that you have a go at it. It, it. it does give a different... It gives a sense that you have control over what you're looking at and you can light it so you, look at, you illuminate the bits that interest you. I'm not at all suggesting we'll use polynomial texture mapping for a large proportion of the collection. I'm sure we won't. We just wanted to see what some of the current options are. If we go back to thinking about image capture for three million (laughs) designs, how are we going to do it? And There are a number of challenges we face. Some of the the representations are not a standard size at all. Some of them are very large. Some of them are very creased very awkward to hold them smooth and flat so they can be photographed. Some of them are are quite small in one sense, but they flap out. So you can see the back. Now, do we want just to photograph the front, or would we also want to photograph the back? Certainly for the the technology of shawl production, Paisley shawl production, being able to see the front and the back is really important. But once you think of doing the front and the back, you're already doubling (laughs) You've gone from three million to six million. It's sort of it's it's a a resource issue. What we're currently thinking about is whether we can develop or apply some technique like this, which is kind of is called intuitive image browsing, where you can present, say, 160. I think it's about 160 images there, and then the user themselves can sort what they're interested in. So you could say, well, I'm interested in this one, and you drag it to the middle. I mentioned that one and that one, and you bring them together, and then other designs will form around that that are similar either by date, whatever category you fit, whatever category you decide. So you could do sorting by eye, and then you could sort by any parameters you choose to, that the machine can cope with. Because with 3 million, we've got to find a way of putting them online where you don't have to click through 3 million. You have to have, think of a different way of presenting visual material online 
And I'm looking at ways that we can search by image, not have to search by text first, where we can do image searching first, if that's what you want to do. And then if you click here, you get through to the registration records. Similarly, if you, if you looked up the registration records, you could click on them and get to the image you wanted. So the, I think the, the key thing is to connect, make a digital connection between the image and the uh, text record. And certainly current research on cognition indicates that human beings are very, very good at scanning very fast. That's a, that's a skill we, we have. So I think it's much easier to scan through a, a bank of images quickly than it is to go one by one or to read a list. And I think the key message I have is that for this collection, I'm sure it goes for other collections as well, is that we're trying to think holistically about how we can improve the preservation of the collections while at the same time improving access and then develop them in the sense of enhancing the resources by adding additional information or improving the services that we provide. And it's that integrated approach that I think is essential for the BT Design Register. But we can't think of it just in terms of access, we can't think of it just in terms of preservation. And it has opportunities for development as well. I should say that all my work's been externally funded and we've had support from the Cloth Workers Foundation who've been very generous. We've had support from the Arts and Humanities Research Council <coughs> who've also been very generous. All the people who came to the various consultation events and colleagues have been incredibly helpful, and also the volunteers who made a huge contribution to um, transcribing the information written alongside the uh, representations. Thank you. This talk was recorded on the 23rd of May 2013 at the National Archives, Kew. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved.